Hello there, welcome to another Rich Terring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast with me, Rich Terring, and my guest this week is the lovely and wonderful and funny Ashling B. If you enjoy these and want to see me do some comedy that has been written rather than made up completely as I go along, I make some of it up as I go along, come and see my show Happy Now on tour. Uh, it starts next week. I'm in uh, Leicester and Sutton Coalfield in the first week of the February, but those both are sold out. Then I head to the Leicester Square Theatre on the 11th and 12th and 13th of February. Um, those are selling pretty well, especially the 12th and the 13th, so do book ahead if you want to come see me in London. I'll also be doing the DVD record uh, in the Bloomsbury Theatre in May or June. can't remember now, uh, so there's still another opportunity. Uh, then in the next rest of the month, I'm at Sheffield on the 17th, Leeds on the 18th, Salford on the 19th, and Liverpool on the 20th. Leeds and Salford very close to selling out. Uh, Liverpool selling well, Sheffield always does well, I think there's still a few tickets left for that uh, and that will take us through to the end of the month, I'm doing a gig in Blackheath on the 27th but that's not a tour show, uh, if you want to see where the rest of the gigs that I'm doing are from March onwards, go to richardherring.com slash happy underscore now slash tour and you can see all of the dates as I say, mostly selling well not Croydon and Stafford but most of the others are selling quite well, so Norwich is nearly sold out, do book ahead uh, uh, older shots nearly sold out. There's a few that are nearly sold out. Reading is sold out. Um, yeah, and if you come and see me on that tour, then that makes me enough money so I can carry on making Leicester Square Theatre podcasts for free for the rest of the year. So thank you very much for listening. Let's sit back and enjoy Rich Tang's Leicester Square Theatre podcast. Calculating. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who has just realised that Stuart Lee every week leaves his toothbrush in the dressing room. What a foolish, foolish man he is. It's Richard Herring. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Welcome to Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast. Uh, I was on the uh, Xbox, I was playing on the Xbox the other day, I was playing um, Metal Gear 5, uh, and some of the kids, the cool kids playing that on the, you know, they can talk to you on it. They, they were calling it a Hullustopus. I don't know if that's, uh, well, that's, that's caught on. Uh, yeah, and I do, Stuart Lee's um, toothbrush is back in, the, in my dressing room, which is, that is, that is just a schoolboy error from Lee. And the good thing is, I'm not going to mention it, but I know he always listens to these podcasts because he loves hearing me mention him <laughs> and to see what I will say next about him. And so he won't find out that I know his tooth, that's his toothbrush until about February when this goes out. <laughs> and he will have been using that toothbrush. Uh, so, uh, in the news the week we recorded this, it's just been International Men's Day, uh, which I always... November the 19th, which I always enjoy. Uh, I wrote an article for The Guardian uh, about, uh, about my thing that I do where I tell people when International Men's Day is on International Men's Day because they all seem to want to know. And I got so many men on my Twitter feed telling me how, what an awful person I was for not respecting International Men's Day. But all of those people were horrible, sexist wankers. So uh, <laughs> it doesn't make me feel... <laughs> who even said, oh, no, men aren't equal because more men commit suicide than women. So actually... Yeah, so it's men who are prejudiced against, not women. Didn't see them, I didn't see them making a big fuss on uh, National Suicide Awareness Week at the beginning of September, though, interestingly. So um, they're all fuckers, is what I'm saying. So uh, become a woman if you are a man. That is, uh, that is my advice. Uh, and uh, in the news also, uh, there was the BBC website reported that Winnie the Pooh's, the real Winnie the Pooh's skull is on display... <laughs> 
in a museum, which that is going to scar. And that's how it's reported, with a real Winnie the Pooh skull in a museum. <laughs> Imagine a child going to see that. They've also got uh, Piglet's severed penis in there. It's a, cork, it's a corkscrew. They've got Rue in a jar of formaldehyde. They've got Owl's cloaca in it. And you can go and you can just fuck it. Anyone's allowed to fuck it, is it? They've got Christopher Robin's ashes that are just blown in your face. <laughs> and uh, I, think I, I think I was going to talk... I might talk to you next week about... I was watching Adventures of a Taxi Driver uh, as I got back from a gig. Uh, that's a depressing film. Uh, we, we may, any fans of Adventures of a Taxi Driver in? It's like Confessions of a Window Cleaner from the 1970s. I will, we'll talk about it next week. Uh, do come back next week if you want to hear about... <laughs> hear that. Anyway, my guest uh, this week uh, is probably... Best known, you probably the reason you're here is either because you know her as Amelia Warner from Holby City, or maybe as one of the panellists from the Radio Scotland quiz show Bad Language, hosted by Richard Herring, that you all <laughs> that it was probably the best. They actually went to TV, but I am not in the TV version. <laughs> Let's find out if she is. It's Ashling B, ladies and gentlemen. It's Ashling B. She's eating minstrels. Welcome. I'll shake, I'll shake your hand. Shake you by the Hello. hand. Ashley B. Do you, uh, are, you in the, uh, are you in the TV version of Bad Language? No, my career is going equally badly, well, Richard, uh, it would appear. It was quite bad, Bad Language. What, are we allowed to say that? Yeah, because uh, yeah, we're not going to, if you're yeah, not in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, my God, but if I get the call, it was an amazing show, <laughs> which I really enjoy doing. Yeah. Yeah, it was an odd one. We did it in Scotland, didn't we? We did it in Glasgow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, actually yeah. the week that the Stephen Fry podcast, podcast came out, because I was up there ah. doing that, and then that sort of all... That all broke while I was in Glasgow, which was good, because that meant I couldn't be interviewed about it, which I was quite pleased about. But uh, yeah. mm. it, was, it was poorly worked out. Uh, and what about, <laughs> uh, what about Amelia, Amelia Warner in Holby City? How, oh, you're what, some, you're some man, Richard, to bring that up. Um, uh, well, I, I was going to do a, an episode of Holby City, and I was so excited. I thought, oh, what am I going to get? You know, I wanted to stretch my acting muscles. Maybe I'll get a cheek, a little bit of cancer, some Ebola, something like that, you know, <laughs> really stretch myself. And my, my story was an exploding boob job. Okay. Um, and I was like, oh, this old chestnut. <laughs> and so I played someone who like um, was trying to go on holiday and escape hospital, but her boob job had exploded inside. Wow. And I literally had to like tape myself down and boof myself up in the middle of the... <laughs> The, the taping it was all very odd um, but then uh, the one director was doing one episode okay. and then there was another this one doctor was being implicated as putting in all of those uh, exploding poop jobs and then another director cast one of the other episodes but kind of accidentally cast another Irish person so when you looked at it as a whole storyline it looked like in particular the boob jobs had been exploding inside Irish people <laughs> alone rather than just in general exploding boob yeah. jobs which I thought was an oddity. <laughs> <laughs> Good, that was a better story than I could have dreamt of when, oh, I, uh, really? when I picked that at random from my Can IMDb. I also say, the reason I have minstrels yep. is because I've been dying for some chocolate and I found some Ferrero Rocher backstage, but we're not allowed to eat them because we think they're Stuart's as well. We think they're Stuart Lee's. And I love that insight to Stuart Lee that every time before he goes on stage, he just treats himself to a tower of Ferrero Rochers. <laughs> oh, Stuart, with these Ferrero Rochers, you're really He's just backstage yourself. recreating my routine, wishing he'd written it. That's <laughs> That's all it is. Just dreaming of being me. That's how he spends most of his time wiping my own, my faeces off his teeth. That is un unknowingly. 
<laughs> Unknowingly, until now. Uh, so, uh, Ashingby, if that is your real name, I should have said, which is mm-hmm. what I always say when it isn't your real name. Oh, yeah, O'Sullivan's my yeah. real passport name. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, but there's already an Ashling O'Sullivan. That is unbelievable. I mean, it's really not. It's like Sean Murphy. <laughs> there's like 17 Sean Murphys. It's not really that unbelievable. No. There's another O'Sullivan in Ireland. Yeah, surprise. <laughs> um, but no, I always had B in the middle, but then you're not yeah. allowed to call yourself like Judy Mary Dench. So you have to like come up with like. You but know. some people, it's a really. I mean, I don't think even uh, talking to Stuart, he refused to uh, change his name. There was another Stuart Lee, and he'd been working for a while as Stuart Lee and said, I'm not changing. And this was when equity actually meant something and you couldn't work unless you were with equity. Mm. And he refused to change his what name the and they let him keep do? it. The other one wasn't a comedian or anything. It was, and it was from quite a long time ago. But they were so strict about it. But Stu yeah. just said, I'm not. I'm going to carry on calling myself Stuart Lee. It's my name. Yeah, I mean, maybe I could have wangled it. Just the other Ashling O'Sullivan is still to date doing much better than me. So <laughs> it'll just be really awkward if I was like, no, I'm going to stick with Harriet Walters. And that's what I'm going to stick with. Um, so, yeah, so that's where yeah. that came from. So I just had to knock off hundreds of years of heritage. Yeah. Just do that. Just like a snip. Yeah. Didn't even care. Mm. Uh, and you've got your family's quite interesting. We'll talk about your family briefly. Your mother mm-hmm. is a was a jockey, a flat yeah, it? flat race jockey, which means right. she doesn't like jump over hurdles. Right. I love the way you're like a flat flat jockey, <laughs> flat, rather than like an IKEA jockey where yeah. you just kind of open them up. A flat jockey um, would be good because they're presumably not weigh very much. So yeah, you could be... just sellotape them to the horse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. She's a retired flat race jockey, um, and it's so funny. I was out last night. Um, oh my god, in the best place I've ever been in my life, and I don't know why. I haven't discovered it. It's called Rowan's Bowling Club in Finsbury Park. And it's just, does, does anyone know it? Oh my God, it's, it's just like cheesy music and bowling and fights breaking out. And it's just, I was like, oh God, why haven't I discovered this heavenly place before? <laughs> Drinks for two pounds, a glorious place. Um, but there was an Irish girl who came up to me and goes, oh my God, are you Ashling B? And I was like, <coughs> yeah, yeah, it's me, uh, chill out. But she's like, I think my mother knows you because my mother's a horse trainer. And so she did it wasn't anything to do with this at all. Just like from the horse community, we knew each other. Um, so yeah, so I kind of was grew there any horses. chance of you following in the family business? No, my my granddad said to me that I wouldn't make the weight at a Kerry Pony contest oh. one time. I know, and I'm like, oh, thanks, granddad. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think I'm just a bit sort of. Uh, Long and tall, yeah. To sort of, I also I just I don't have enough respect for the horse, and they don't respect me enough. I often feel okay. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm quite hungover, so I'm like, what does that even mean? Um, so yeah, I don't really think so. I remember one time I went to this one uh, horse riding school, and there was a load of lads there, really fancied, and we all kind of got up on the horses and raced into the fields and the on the horses. But I wasn't very good, and they oh. gave me like a really good horse because of my mother, yes. but like quite a like crazy horse. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I can handle that horse, no problem. <laughs> and uh, of course, the horse shot off across the field, and I got thrown off, and I landed on what I thought was a giant stone, and I was completely winded, and I was like. <gasps> Oh no, I can't breathe. And I remember thinking, goodbye, mommy. Goodbye, Sinead. Goodbye, Britney Spears and Justin. But I do hope you stay together. <gasps> Bye. And then I started breathing again, and all the lads were like, yeah, she's alive. And I got up on the horse, and I was like, God, I wonder what that was that I fell on. My back still feels kind of bad. And I got back to the stable, and one of the little stable lads was like, oh my God, I think you fell in a big pile of shite. <laughs> and I'd fallen with such gusto onto the big pile of cow 
right? Yeah. That it had penetrated through my clothes and jodhpurs and it had gone like through the pores of the cloth all along my back and bottom and legs. Wow. And like I had to like angle myself into the car with my mother going, you're not proud of me today, are you, mammy? You know? <laughs> um, like, oh, jeez, Ashing, put a plastic bag down. Um, so that's, that's genuinely the last time I went wow. horse riding. That sometimes happens with babies' nappies. That, uh, that it gets of, all over your yeah, inside. Yeah, it goes all up their back <laughs> and everything. So that's, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I genuinely did not poo myself that day. Well, I know some people are like, nah, science behind that. It went bit. through the pores yeah, yeah. of your clothes. Of the cloth. Yes, it did. It went through the pores <laughs> of the cloth, everyone. <laughs> that's what happened. <laughs> but your, your grandfather, I don't know if that's the same one you mentioned, was a, a writer? Yes, yes. My, my grandfather on my father's side was, a, was a, 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 um, a poet and writer in Irish, which is a real language, everyone. Um, <laughs> it's not just an accent. Um, so, yeah, he used to write poetry. And my grand-aunt as well. Yeah. Yeah. She was a, a writer of kind of young people's fiction, Brawl Asgaelga, which means in Irish, right. in uh, Gaelic, which is the the language of the homosexual community as well. Um, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> yeah, the in Irish. Yeah. Yeah. So that's come through to because you're a writer as well. Do you think that's yeah? Do you think I don't. Be proud I suppose it does. I suppose maybe madness goes through. Yeah. It's genetic, <laughs> isn't it? So probably sort of weird. But I didn't I didn't really think I grew up around too much of it. Like no. because I just grew up around horses all the time. And it wasn't a weird thing. That's like meeting that girl last night. It was so not weird in the town I was from. Everyone was either horsey or in the army. And so it was really like just very normal and then only afterwards people start, especially when you're in a foreign country, they're like, Oh, you're most Irish, you're into horses, what and you sell dogs as well? You're like, No. <laughs> um like people find it a bit more of a novelty yeah. than I swear. I think like when people grow up with some people have parents who are magicians or accountants, which is so weird. <laughs> um, maybe that's odd for them. But in Ireland, do you don't. Know, do, do, it's still true you don't have to pay tax if you're a writer. Is that? Is that? A... Oh yeah, I think so. Yeah. No, sculptors and Bono. If you're Bono or a sculptor, <laughs> I think you don't have to pay tax. I mean, how cheeky is that? God, he gets away with murder. That's so cheeky. <laughs> Bono doesn't pay any tax, guys. Um, he doesn't earn much though. No, he doesn't. Yeah. Do you know who is earning loads? Still on the go. Whoa, 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 mysterious girl, Enya. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're listening today, Enya, and you need one friend. Yeah. Um, so Enya lives in a castle in Ireland, genuinely on her own. And like an, uh, a gym instructor comes around to her, house, her castle all the time yeah. to help her work out. And she has a studio in there. And she comes up with her haunting sounds, probably from like the sounds she makes at night when she's walking around on her own. <laughs> and like her last album sold 16 million around the world. Like you too hasn't sold an album that sold 16 million. And no. she just records it all from her house. Can you imagine if we could do gigs like that just I mean this is kind <laughs> of my a version castle. of that yeah. nice to well that's my ultimate aim is just to play snook against myself in a castle yeah. and, uh, and, let, and let people can listen to that the podcasts are the start and then you start inviting <laughs> the audience to your house then they just listen in I once had to have sex whilst listening to Enya I mean on a <laughs> record <laughs> hate the story already Richard I hate the story already <laughs> well I couldn't it's very di- it was Sail Away which is the only you one. turn and podcast podcast it's quite, a diff- it's quite a difficult song to have sex to uh, I think. Well, for me, sail like, away, if sail you wanna, away, sail away from this subject sort of like, matter. Sort of I don't want to listen to it. Oh my god! That, that's what I had to do. You know, it's not. It's not. I like something with a bit more of a beat to it. Oh god! If, I thank God the, like, the audience at home cannot see what you just did <laughs> to insinuate sex, which Some looked like can. you were, I don't know, shoving something into a slot machine that doesn't fit. Oh that's god! Just the beat. 
Only if you only had one baby. <laughs> My God. Grim. Anyways, yeah. moving on. It's not, don't, ever, don't ever put it have on, girl. Have sex to Enya. Don't ever have sex uh... to Enya. Or with Enya. <laughs> Imagine if you're having sex with Enya and she starts singing... Oh, oh God. Oh, yeah. It might remind me nice. of the time I had sex with that other girl, yeah. though, and then that might be kind of sexy. It's a sort of threesome. Yeah. No. Uh, it's a threesome through time. I've got overexcited. <laughs> <laughs> Is it like a Pavlov dog now every time you hear Enya? Yeah. <laughs> it perks you up just a little bit. I, I wish. I wish I wish had something that works that well. Oh. Three, three weeks Again, Richard, I up. feel like this is too much information. <laughs> <laughs> you studied philosophy at uh, Trinity College Dublin. Yeah. What is the French. meaning of life? Duh, it is... Um, <laughs> uh, uh, no, I've no, I don't even have a witty answer. You think in four years I would have come up with something witty. I really felt like when I did philosophy that I was just going to be so like I, I, I imagine myself floating into the room and them going I'm here to teach you something and I go no I'm here to teach you something guys <laughs> like who is this girl she's so mysterious um, like Enya um, <laughs> but I actually like most of my questions I put up my hand and they'd be like yes Ashling down the back hiya could you roll that down again I didn't write it uh, quick enough my hand's not going too fast today I found it a little bit there was a lot more reading than I thought there'd be yeah, and a lot less main... sitting around with a group of hippies smoking Posh. Like I thought, but it's really just kind of handing in an essay. Because a lot of the philosophers are dead. They, they, they so that's a classic philosopher yeah. thing to do. So is you've to got be to dead. read, and you, they can't yeah. come in I mean, and the, go. I think, therefore, I am, because <laughs> yeah. they're not thinking anymore. They're dead, they're or not. are they? See, guys, <laughs> that level of depth. <laughs> I remember, though, what was great about the philosophy department, because I did French and philosophy, and it was just around the time of, you know, like, turnitin.com, which is this thing, hey, what, did you invent it, or have you just used it? Because it's a pretty boring thing to whoop. <laughs> yeah. Welcome Whoa, to my audience. I've turned in so many essays with that. <laughs> but, you know, when, th- when that came out, it stopped people from plagiarising. So you'd... In, in the- oh, really? <gasps> All right, Julian Assange. <laughs> <laughs> Only in theory. Interesting. Well, we were all duped, but like you had to hand in your essays through this thing. Um, oh, Richard's yeah. now filming his face. I've just, I've got just him. Got to get that guy on film. <laughs> just another academic being jailed because of a podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we, you had to like turn in your essays and anything, even if you'd copied or pasted a word from something else, it would do a big old, you've lied, you've cheated thing. But it would be years before the philosophy department even like cotton onto that. They were kind of in this north tower of Trinity College in Dublin <laughs> with a crow landing, giving them kind of like, nerds from abroad, you know, <laughs> just very dusty place. And so I would just, and like very few people were into computers up there and I'd, you know, I'd just gotten like window kind of on the go it was the days of Bebo it was pretty crazy times and um, I would copy and paste to my heart's desire I mean they can't take me if, we, if they listen to this they can't take the degree back off me can they? Don't think so Grant I copied and pasted we'll like pretend I remember, it was a joke Yeah 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 except no one's laughing no. you really have to laugh during this bit <laughs> or else I'll have to get my degree give my 2-2 back <laughs> oh no um, but like I remember one time I had to do a dialogue between Nietzsche and Schopenhauer and I was just like being too busy being sassy around campus to like go and read the books so like I went online and I literally went well Nietzsche paste I don't know about that Schopenhauer paste and that was the essay and I remember getting like 67 for it and me being delighted and I didn't, I'd never been taught how to do a bibliography and I just like roughly remembered what the names of the books were and I was like you know Nietzsche uh, good and 
bad and evil. Um, uh, Schopenhauer, uh, three of his books. And I just got, again, a big red circle around going, this book does not exist. And I thought that was like a really nice philosophical way of saying, you know, do your bibliography better. But I still got 67. Wow. So I was like, I'm never going to change my cheating ways. I copied pretty much every essay I did at university because we had like a tutorial system and someone went in the... I don't know how I got away with this because I never wrote an essay... Yeah. But if someone else had done it the week before, I'd say, can I have your essay? And then I, I couldn't copy and paste it because it we didn't have computers. Yeah. So I just had to copy it out by hand or type <sighs> it out. And then I'd read out the exact essay that I hadn't really even read myself to the tutor who'd heard it the week before. <gasps> and if he asked me any questions, I, I just had to really just go, um, yeah, that's an interesting point. Uh, and he either didn't know or didn't care. I'm presuming yeah. didn't care. Isn't that the terrible thing about a bit of charm and ballsiness <laughs> that you can just sort of cheat your way into things? Yeah. I mean, we are essentially just cheaters in I many think ways. So. Well, like, yeah, like, you know, I was just, just, I just wanted to do comedy and acting once I got there, once I got going. And I, yeah. uh, I was so relieved to get through the first term because I had exams at the end of the first term and thought I'd be kicked out. Yeah. So then I, I just generally, for, for two and a half years, I didn't really write anything. I think you must have known, and they just didn't. They don't care, do they? Yeah, that's awful that they didn't care as well. It's kind of worse that they looked at you and thought, "Ah, I mean, poor fecker. Just, let's just leave him be." Anyway, so yeah. my degree might get taken off me, but I have never gone to collect my degree either. Did you know? I'm a graduand. A graduand. What's yeah, a that means I've got. A, I've, gra- I've, got, I've completed a degree, but not collected it. Is that genuinely an that official is what term? It's called, yeah. I graduand. put it in my Wikipedia page. I said I'm the most famous graduand in, uh, in, in Britain, but they took it off because uh, it needed it needed a citation. Or I said one of them, you know, one of the most famous graduands. What an odd thing that you have to go and collect it for it to be relevant. Yeah. Like, and now you're clever. Like as soon as you, how odd? Yeah, I have no respect for it, so mm. I won't go and get it. You could leave it in with Stuart Lee's toothbrush in there and just wipe your arse in it as well. I could, could, yeah, that'd be good. Uh, Yeah, I never thought of that. I could use it as toilet paper. I go and collect my degree (laughs) and use it as toilet paper. Finally, you're a graduate. (laughs) I feel like we wandered into the abyss and lost the audience here, guys. I'll be honest. People seem seem appalled by me. This is what he didn't do any work. He didn't do any work. He copied all his essays and then he didn't even go and collect the degree that he doesn't deserve. Um, so, <laughs> so you did do, you, you, you started out as an, an actor who has become a stand-up comedian and an actor I mean and a writer so you do everything mm-hmm. yeah but you um, sort of you, that, you went to Lambda was it or yeah to yeah. drama school yeah where I learned all of nothing um, <laughs> yeah no that was interesting I went to drama school for two years and I genuinely I'd been doing kind of like lots of comedy while I was at university and sketch groups and stuff like that but then I got my heart broken I was like I'm going to go to drama school and just do never do comedy again only do monologues about like dead <laughs> families and stuff like that yeah. I genuinely thought I'd bleach blonde hair at the time and I genuinely thought I'd waltz out of drama school and like go straight into the national being like no my family like playing old men like all the parts I wanted to play were like the really old men like I was like oh better I'll get a Hamlet quite quickly out of this um, and had no idea that I'd end up in Holby with an exploded boob job instead it's like oh expectations why have them um, so yeah so it's just I mean it's just I think it's an old fashioned version of performance really is to try and do as many things as you can yeah uh, and it kind of keeps your brain ticking along. Than if you're but doing I think a lot, well, a lot of people who see themselves as actors are scared of doing stand-up comedy or think, you know, go, they, you know, I think I was talking to Phil Jupiter about all the actors will go, oh, I can't believe how you can do stand-up comedy. That's the yeah. hardest thing in the world. But you, you, you just sort of thought, I'll have a crack at it. And 
Well, I think it's just different types of personalities. Yeah. Like, I think there is always someone in your office who could do more than one job, but they like one. And then, like, I think with, st- with a lot of actors, why they do it is they love becoming other people and reading a text and taking someone else's words exactly how they are and reading them out exactly how they are. Like, I'm quite bad with ad-libbing. Whenever someone gives me, I'm like, oh, that's nice. Now I'll get the idea of it and go. Um, <laughs> which is really hard when you're doing a Shakespeare. And you're like, oh, what an amazing first draft he did. <laughs> but now it's hammer time. I've got a spin on this that's going to blow your minds. Um, so, so, yeah, I think, um, I think for a lot of it, it's, it's, it's just different parts of your personality. And, like, some people love yeah. doing musical theatre I don't particularly uh, enjoy that, no. but it, it's just another facet to you. Like you, so you do acting as well, do you? Well, I do a little bit. If I get, but I rarely get asked, so I do when do I do. Do you get... like becoming other people when you do it? Um, I no. Are you acting? Uh, no, <laughs> I'm just literally trying to remember what the words are yeah. and facing the right. I mean, I thought I really I, when I've done pr- like proper acting, mm. I felt I really uh, you know you sort of respect what the, when you really get yeah. into a part. Do you feel the, you've been maybe a stand-up for so long that the idea of allowing yourself to become someone else it's more fear in your brain the same way maybe an actor is starting stand-up it's a fear of allowing them sell, yeah, being maybe. themselves maybe. more I mean, that they can or can't do. I it. think probably when I started out I was more of an actor than a stand-up so mm. as well. You know, I did like sketches and, and yeah. I kind of felt more comfortable doing stuff with other people. Mm. It took a long time for me to get into doing stand-up on my own. So, yeah, that, that it, it is sort of difficult. I mean, I, but I think it's, it's, it's overcoming the self-consciousness and, you know, that, which I yeah. find very difficult in life generally. And then, yeah, and literally being that other person, which you sort mm. of... Whereas I, I love it. I love, like, it like, it can sometimes be the best job in the world because sometimes you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, oh, my God, I have to be you until I'm dead. Like, I can <laughs> only just be you. Like, and even if I liked myself, God, I'm still stuck with you. Like, one day it'd be so nice to just quantum leap your life and just be like, oh, finally, I'm a middle-aged boxer in 1920s America. Oh, thank God, because I was so bored of being an Irish woman in London. Like, imagine just being allowed to be someone else. And so what was really nice when I was just acting was I probably was asked to do a lot more things that were maybe different to me. Now I get asked to do a lot of stuff where they're like, so you're going to love this acting part. She's a sort of Irish woman around the age of 30 whose life isn't going crazily well. She's got a bit of a drink problem. I'm like... I mean, uh, I don't know, uh, could I do it in a Liverpool accent? Um, so I, I, I think the idea of transformation is lovely. That part of it's really nice. And that's why stand-up I found quite, not quite difficult, but more getting my head around the idea of just allow. Like, that was my challenge. I refused to come yeah. and do any character. I could have started out doing characters. Yeah, which instead, again, I think a lot of actors take Yeah, that, yeah, take yeah, because it's, a, it's an easier jump, yeah. I think, for people. And also you've got an armour there for when things go wrong. You're like, oh, they didn't like Maisie the sheep shearer. <laughs> See, I could have done characters, guys, just like that. Came up with a great one. Um, that they didn't like her, not me. Yeah. Whereas with stand up, there's no, there's no armor there. It's another version of you, but it's not yeah. a. People often say, oh, it's 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 like um, it's a character you portray on stage. It's not. It's a facet of you, the same way you'd have a facet to your kids and in your work life and, yeah. and different things. But I mean, you've done crazily well as stand up. Given you I mean how you've been doing it for. Five or six years, something four like that. Four and a half, five years. Five yeah. years, maybe? Four and a half. Yeah. yeah. So you were very successful very quickly, which um, is... Yeah, I mean, success is an interesting... I think <clears throat> people now that they... You're on telly. You're a success. But actually, for me, what success is maybe... Uh, uh, is getting, like, a respect for your own work and really having, like, a... a um, 
yeah I think some people like some people I know who do well or have been in it longer than me or less time than me have a very fixed idea of what success is which Mm -hmm. is very much someone sitting on a couch watching TV version of success you do that that means success and I, I've never, I've never thought like that. I've right. never thought, oh, I've done that. I must have made it out to the <laughs> nightclubs to get free drinks. Um, for me, success is like having faith in what you do and having maybe the respect of your peers more than anything. Sure. So I think I felt a little bit guilty at the start getting telly jobs and stuff because I was like, oh, no, maybe, maybe people feel I'm taking away a job from them. Um, but they're mostly white men, so like, I'll give a fuck. Um, uh, but um, I'm joking. Uh, happy International Men's Day. So yeah, I, I never even mentioned it when I saw you. Um, <laughs> men's Christmas, which is Christmas. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I think I'm just slowly getting used to that now. And yeah. I, I, think, I think with any job that you do, the key is not getting the f- one job, it's getting asked back. And so the more you get asked back to do a similar job and again and again and again, that's when you're like, yes, this is success yeah. that I can building relationships and people want to work with you. That's that for me is success. And you can kind of count on that and you can you're not going to lose that in a day. No. Getting on TV once or twice, you're like someone might want to see you today, but they might want to uh, next month. So, yeah, that's how you build it. I mean, I know, I know I should stop speaking when you um, look at your book, sadly, in sort of reverie. So I thought, you know, I thought I'd made it and then. Yeah. Just have to make my but own you know, TV loads shows. Of people, huh? Loads of people think you're really good still. Yeah. Got your baby. <laughs> she, she looks up to you. My baby really thinks I'm funny, but she thinks yeah. like a brick wall is funny as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's, you know, it's not. That was one of your shortle reviews, isn't it? <laughs> 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 I'm totally joking. Everyone loves Richard Herring. Um, I'll ask you an emergency question to get out of my own embarrassment. Oh, Richard. I'm not as many, I'm only pretending. Yeah. Uh, I'm very, very... Good acting. Thank you. I, I inhabited the character of a loser somehow. Uh, <laughs> somehow got in there. I'm extremely <laughs> successful, really. Uh, what, what shall I ask you? I think I will ask you this question. I haven't decided yet. Um, oh, I'll, I'll ask you this, because this, this is a new one. What, what is the most deluded thing you thought as a child about yourself? I thought that I would be so successful that I was worried that time travellers from the future would come back and watch me doing mundane things. <laughs> so if I was picking my nose or wanking or whatever, I was worried that like, people from the future would go, oh, that's a bit just the future saviour of the world. And oh, my God. So that's quite deluded. So you Not that I just thought I was going to be an historical figure, that the people from the future would be watch space tourists. And I mean, they wouldn't be appearing, they'd just be what... I imagine time travel would happen, <laughs> that they would just be able to watch, like, on a TV screen, which I think could, be, could happen. They could be watching this now. No. I mean, they could, they could just look at the YouTube as well. Do you think maybe, like, there'll be a giant apocalypse and all that would be left will be a load of podcasts? Yeah. What so, I, like, the Richard Herring podcast will be one of the main sources of, like, well, what you know, life used to be. You never know. I mean, I always often think about things like when it, if the, some very mundane piece of work of art survived and nothing else. Because you think about, like, the ancient Greece stuff, a lot of mm. that stuff survives because there was lots of copies of it, so it was probably quite good. Yeah. But there's every chance it's just some rubbish old bit of tat, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. That just... I was, at the, I was at the British Museum and the, uh, they've got... The, in Egypt, they've got this exhibition about Egypt, but so much stuff survives because Egypt is dry, so nothing decays. So you've got yeah. all these... You know, there's, like, a party invite from the 4th century to... Really? Yeah, to come to have dinner at some temple or something. You know, it's all like in... going maybe yeah. decline. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's kind of crazy. And they're all like little Egyptian figures going decline. It's crazy to think that would. You know, there was a, the announcement of someone's birth as their daughter survives like sixteen hundred years yeah. or whatever. <laughs> so that's that could be what happened. And you so, can yeah, imagine that person future. being really like, 
maybe like a like a, a non-ent like I often wonder about that with the people of Pompeii like they might have just you know they're now historical figures yeah. but can you imagine like I often think how embarrassing if you were like I don't know having a Tommy Tank or yeah. just like sat in the loo and then all this like lava came over and you're yeah. like oh no this will always be how I'll be remembered uh, I'll be, be known for all of my tax work you'd have uh, to be pretty committed to the wank to, to stay yeah. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, well, when in Rome. <laughs> but there are... There, 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 I love... Well, I'm obsessed with Pompeii. But there are, you know, that most people are... are I'd love to go. There's, um, well, there was a brilliant exhibition at the British Museum. Again, you should go to the British Museum. Uh, but, then, but then they're all... They're much more terrifying. But, they, but actually, weirdly, as I left that exhibition, there were, like, loads of these... The, the plaster cast statues, so they can fill in, as you may know, the, the gaps where organic material or people were in the ash that disappears, and then they fill it with plaster of Paris. And you essentially get a statue of people in their last moments which were no one on their toilet or wanking but there were mm. but there was because they were awful so they're like yeah, parents screaming and parents stuff. kind oh. of shielding their children yeah and like you know, people just cowering down as obviously the and then as i was walking through there was a like a quite a big looking statue and just just sullen looking so then i realized that was just an american tourist sitting down <laughs> genuinely it was sort of just sentious in <laughs> so that's how realistic it was but yeah it was, yeah so it's uh it's yeah it's fascinating so you weren't oh you, your, your question you was do you have any I mean, I was brought up in quite a Catholic, uh, so that was all a lot of delusional ideas, really, <laughs> I suppose, when you think about it. I do think back, like, all the things, like, I remember one time uh, we all had to stand, like, there were loads of bold, or, like, uh, when we say bold in Ireland, we mean naughty. But, like, I often find saying the word naughty, it sounds really like the vicar has a whip, you know, naughty. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. just sounds very naughty. Um, so I'll say bold. But like any time there was a child who was bold in the class, they had to go and stand in the corner. And one day in our class, they just ran out of corners because we were all <laughs> off our head on sweets. Um, so we all had to stand along walls till there was only really like four kids sat down. And I remember all I'd been doing was talking to myself. Like that's how I got in trouble. Yeah. And I, I just gone, oh God, there's my flask. Ashing, are you talking? No, just to myself, miss. And she put me in a corner. Wow. And I I remember sitting there rubbing this little miraculous medal of the Virgin Mary, hoping that I she would take me to heaven with her so I wouldn't have to stand in the corner not looking at anything so long. Aww. And like loads of those moments where you think we were so invested in religion as kids. Like we just, we just genuinely believed in the magic of it. Yeah. Well, I, think that's, I mean, I think both those stories, yours and mine, are the same thing because you are sort of taught as a child yeah. that, there's, that there's someone watching over you yeah. so that you won't misbehave but also for safety reasons so obviously it's like you yeah. go, if you're going even though I'm not here if you're doing something naughty Santa Claus or God or whatever or, God, there's always or some time kind travellers of... from the future we'll be able to see what you're doing and yeah. we'll judge you do so, you think maybe all of the things that exist in religion were just made by tired parents who just wanted <laughs> one Sunday without like <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus is watching you. Who's Jesus? He was a man who, um, oh, I said, I don't know, and I'll tell you. He uh, was the son of this other big man who's going to get you. Like, maybe it was just a load of, like, fairy tales. I think it, I think it is. It's true. If you think about it, if it's there to protect children, that makes sense, and then it's just mm. crazy that any adults carry on believing. I mean, it's Oh, but we need, I think we need just as many crazy stories to maybe. protect us. I, I think that's why religion exists, because imagine if we're just on our own, guys. Imagine if we are. I mean, I know we are, but I really can't accept it. <laughs> I mean, that'd be so scary. Like, you know, so I think we sometimes need the idea. And thrilling. <gasps> you know, 
They say actually atheists are the most good-natured people that because we've there's nothing to blame but yourself if you did something like there was no kind of like oh the the priests made me do it yeah um, well it's weird to do something in the hope of a, an eternal reward you yeah know? so if you're doing something nice for someone else and you're mm. thinking aha jokes on you mate because I get yeah. to go to heaven forever yeah. Sha. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of weird. So if you do something nice, generally nice for someone, I guess. But you know, but doing something nice for other people, even if you don't believe in God, it will has good repercussions on yourself, just in feeling good, but also hopefully mm. makes more people behave well. And I do believe in karma, nice but I don't know. I do feel like what's your sir, the academic over there? Are you like have you a sciencey background? Have you a sciencey background? He works in IT. Do you work in IT? That's science. I mean, that was a bit snobby of you. A science yeah, background. What a surprise. Do you, yeah. Um, do you feel like in a couple of years' time, you, like, you know, the karma, like, there'll be a scientific explanation for karma? I don't believe in karma, sorry. Oh, well, I do, sir, and you are going to get sassed someday <laughs> right back when you need a friend to back you up, and they won't be there because of this. Um, <laughs> oh, you have a friend in Jesus instead? Oh, okay, that's good. Be, oh no, not at all! <laughs> My God, I wish I—I I honestly do. Sometimes I do believe, like I wished in Jesus. I wished in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. It's so nice to have something to hang on to. But He's I do. I off believe his clothes in, now. Oh my God! Are you going to show us your big JC <laughs> tattoo or something? Um, but I, I do like I, I do believe in karma. But I yeah. feel like it sounds like a hippy dippy idea now of like putting stuff back out and the energy you get from people and by helping someone in your family. But I feel like it's something we will explain with a bit of science why humans should be nice to each other. I think it works as years. a rule of thumb, but I don't think it works like on, on an individual basis because plenty of people do nice things and then something terrible happens to them. Yeah, but I wonder uh, we we see terrible as a sort of like small moment in time. and you think oh god this tiny thing has happened to me and sometimes you don't put into perspective all of the possibilities of terrible things that could have and that don't I don't know hey man this is just like university or what I thought (laughs) university was going to be two-two she got so that is uh, (laughs) that was a two-two bit of banter there if I'm honest Uh, <laughs> I give that banter a two-two or a lower third. I'm quite obsessed with uh, time travel, as you'll discover. Kettle crisps or chips, if you're David Mitchell and insist on them being called what they're called, are not as nice as they once were. Have I changed or have they? Don't answer that question. <laughs> if you could, if you could travel back in time to compare any food of today with an equivalent in the past. What time would you travel to and what would the food be that you would try eating? Try eating? Well, yeah, because I want to go back and try and see if kettle crisps, as I call them, are the same as they were. When they were actually made in kettles? Well, (laughs) no, just when I first ate them. I think I've become more sophisticated. Oh, but I, I want to find out. But you know, you might there might be a food that you'd like to taste from the past. That see what it tastes like in the past. Yeah, I'd like to go back life. to maybe to see what food was like before we had additives okay. and all the sugars and stuff like that. And like whenever I don't know when were things like uh, uh, MSG. When were that? When were those things invented? Uh, Jesus's friend. It was E Yeah. 60, so around then. Right. Yeah, they yeah, was, yeah. He knew everything. That was amazing. Shame, yeah. shame he's not on the mic or anything. Yeah. So I don't know how clever he is. 1960s. Yeah, so but, around then. I'd but d- even everything's so mm. like bacon used to be really nice, and now it's not. 
But we, I think we ruin our taste buds a lot by all the stuff we put no, on. No, they just pump it full of water. So we, in the old days, like meat and, you know... Even but they pump it with water, like, but replaced flavourings with things that don't actually yeah. exist. So you can mimic flavourings because you can get like roast chicken crisps. Oh, um, definitely. Yeah, that's, you know, that's... Yeah. So I'd like to go back to see what food was like when it was just simpler and how and how people ate maybe then yeah because i feel like there's a lot of like conspiracy in the food industry guys um and what we're being sold and what's being put into our food yeah. and yeah I, I could go on at this at length and i feel Good. like it would be really alienating so <laughs> you should but you should all watch cowspiracy and we're all gonna die <laughs> well i was talking about winnie the pooh's um skull. skull being in a museum what fictional childhood character's skull would you like to see in a museum <laughs> Question: uh, Jimmy Savile skull. Um, <laughs> I think we could all give. A, I'm not that sure a kick. he was fictional. I think. Yeah, that's true. Uh, well, technically, he was. The version from the 70s and 80s was yeah. very fictional. Um, so yeah, thank you. I just got a heckled by <laughs> philosophy. <laughs> Thanks. Um, what he got buried character? in concrete, didn't he? So that he's like he's in a block. Of, it'd be quite hard to get to his skull, but his skull is still extant. God, I thought but you meant I, Winnie the Pooh still. But, he's, uh, I like, what? but I think they be- he got buried in... I mean, A, he was looking... He was buried standing up. Jimmy... So he could, Jimmy Savile. Savile was. So he could look over the bay where he was buried. They had a massive uh, headstone with all the charitable stuff that he did on oh, it God. that has been broken for some reason. Uh-uh. Uh, but he, I, I believe... I may be wrong. Anyone else heard this? That he was he encased in... His, his coffin was encased in concrete, which I presume was to stop it being dug up and... Desecrated, ironically. Uh, so, <laughs> what's good for the goose is not good for the gander. Uh, so there you go. So we can, his skull's still there, is what yeah. I'm saying. So we I mean, there's get lots it. of. There, I didn't have really English TV growing up, no. so there's lots of characters that I wouldn't. This uh, this podcast goes all over the world. I was doing a gig at the Albert Hall the other day. Mm. Elgar rooms, and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, there was a guy sitting in the front row on his own, and I said, "Oh, you know," he said, "He said, oh, I'm, I'm a fan of yours." And I said, oh, "He said he worked in software." And I said, "Oh, you're probably a fan of mine." He said, "Yes, I am." Yeah. And then, and I said, oh, I said, what, "What software have you engineered this week?" He said, oh, "I haven't done anything. I've been on holiday. I live in India. I've come <gasps> from, I've come from India to see me. That's what he. Oh my god. That's what he uh, joked about. I, think, I hope. Yeah. Are you? You're not in again, are you? He is. There he is. There he is. Oh. There he is. Hello, so, sir. Um, there you go. God, you can't really see because it's too far back. Uh, remind me of your name? Jijin. 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 Yeah. Um, Jijin uh, so there, so look, that is, so we can talk about Irish from? stuff because there'll be some Irish people at home. It's going to bore everyone here. Well, actually, my sister's boyfriend is Indian, well, British Indian, okay. um, and she's going out to Kerala. I mean, I know, I'm like saying, are you from Kerala? Yeah. Or, like, like that's, that is a very Irish thing to happen because <laughs> India, as far as Google tells me, is quite big. So for you to be from the exact same place, that is ridiculous. So to be honest, if he can listen to this podcast and get anything out of it, the, the stuff that I talk about, which is mainly, you know, Quantum Leap and... Uh, I mean, they probably have that in India. Uh, there's mainly, you know, 90, spitting image puppets and stuff. That must be confusing. Yeah. So well, he still he enjoys it on a surreal level, I'm guessing. I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but I'm guessing that's... <laughs> did you enjoy the Albert Hall gig? Yeah. Oh, good. Oh. <laughs> there was, we were at Albert Hall, and this, uh, this was recorded uh, the week after the Paris uh, t- uh, terrorist atrocity. And uh, the, in the main room, they had, like, patriotic songs, like mm-hmm. British flag-waving stuff. And they said, we'd better just warn you before we go on that there is... Uh, 
in the middle of this show, there's some cannons are going to go off, <laughs> which is good they warned us because it went on for about five minutes and the, and the building shook as the cannons went off. So if they hadn't told us that, we go, oh, God, it's happened. Um, what would my childhood school that I would yes. like to win yeah. is Bosco. Big shout out to all the... Yay! There we go. Where are those people in from? Dublin. Dublin, there you go. Yeah. Bosco, best guy I ever knew. Bosco was his tiny, really badly made hand puppet that was like crack to yeah. Irish children during the 80s and early 90s. Like, oh my God. But like it was... What? Oh, the magic door! Uh, knock, knock, open wide. See what's in the other side. Knock, knock, forevermore. What then is it? Go on through the magic door. You see, lyrics like that, he was I would, spinning. I'd uh, really love it if you just made this up and you just colluded to improvise. Let's improvise a whole new character. We'll do songs. <laughs> Secretly from the Irish tourist boards going, go and plant some charm around England because no one's coming anymore. And what would his, what would his skull look like? Was it a boy or an animal of some kind? Well, we do not know if okay. he or she was a boy or a girl because we never really find out. He had this high pitch. He, she had this high pitch, which I thought was very yeah. modern to have but he, she, um, about children <laughs> that age. But um, he, she had like a high-pitched voice and red hair and little red rosy cheeks <laughs> and he lived inside a little box and uh, and everyone had dungarees around him who talked to him and he, he'd always do like a big adventure day and it was always to Dublin Zoo. Like they never went anywhere else but Dublin Zoo and as children were like, oh my God, where's he going to go next? Dublin Zoo again! And we should have cottoned on eventually. They could clearly only get rights, the TV company, to go to Dublin Zoo. But we were, oh my God, we love Bosco so much. Yeah. And it really, like, everyone, I think, of, of particularly my age group, gets a real kind of, like, buzz from remembering Bosco. Like, it's a real, just, <laughs> it fondness. Was, it did very well with the, with the Irish With the two here. people in the audience who, yeah. who uh, know who I'm talking about there, yeah. <laughs> love Bosco. Um, so, yeah, I'd like to see Bosco's skull yeah. at the British Museum. Yeah. And there will be a queue of one person there <laughs> waiting to see it. There's some great stuff at the British Museum. I'm re- I really love it there. I was, uh, you can look, if you go up to the cafe that's uh, above on the, on the spiral staircase in the middle, you can look into the old reading rooms where Karl Marx wrote uh, Das Kapital. Uh, and I wrote the, uh, the Macmillan Encyclopedia of the Royal Family in the early 1990s, although they don't talk about that as much. Yeah. I thought you were going to say that there's so many things in the British Museum. You should go up to the cafe. It's a lovely bun in the cafe. It's a good, it's a good case. The posh cafe up there, they do like afternoon tea. Oh. Yeah. What other, I don't even know what's your favourite bit? What's your favourite bit of the British Museum? Um, I, like, um, I like the stuff from uh, the Anglo-Saxon. What's the guy? What's the, uh, the, oh, God, my brain's just gone. We'll ask what, our friend what over here. What's well, you know, I've got two one in history. Uh, you know, Sutton Hoo. That's what the Sutton Hoo stuff, all the Sutton Hoo uh, uh, Viking helmet and... Oh, uh, yeah. They, uh, I don't know who Sutton... What's Sutton Well, it's Hoo? like, a, it's like a, 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 basically a Viking burial from the some century. And, uh, <laughs> I should know more about it. Uh, and it's near Ipswich. But they, but they found, like, the, a very uh, nearly complete helmet and lots of... Stuff. And I like, Uh-oh. yeah, good. That woman laughing because <laughs> I said a helmet there. With a nice. giant pint of white wine. Uh... <laughs> giant helmet. <laughs> I love wine. <laughs> <laughs> and I like the, uh, the, the, the bog body, Pete Marsh. 
He was, <gasps> yeah. yeah, he was all crumpled. I went to see him on my 40th birthday. Mm. Uh, I went into the British Museum. That was my treat. Wow. Uh, to look at a crumpled old <laughs> Now it body. makes sense that you once had sex to Enya. Yeah. <laughs> now it makes sense. <laughs> It's very good. This is sponsored by the British Museum, this uh, particular episode. So you've done lots yeah. of... You've been... In, you're doing lots of uh, sitcoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you were in... When, when, maybe the, was the first one when you were in De- uh, Dead Boss? No, I've been in, like, loads of things that never made it to television. Right. To the point where I'm like, maybe I'm the problem. Maybe <laughs> I'm the problem. Yeah, so I've done, like... I've been in loads of things that never made it to air or yeah. aired... Vaguely, Dead Boss was one which I really believed in and I was like really sad that it didn't go ahead for a second series. That was Sharon Horrigan and Holly Walsh had this kind of, and it was pre-Orange is the New Black. Yeah. But like all set in a women's prison and there were so many great people in it like Susan Kalman, Jennifer Saunders was in it, Anna Crilly, Lizzie Roper, just loads of brilliant people but they just, just didn't kind of recommission the second series. For yeah. Spitty. But that's where I met Sharon Horrigan when we were doing the pilot for that. And so now we're writing a TV show together. Um, yeah, what's that about? That's oh, about, kind of am, yeah. Uh, that's about, flicks through notes, what have we decided to <laughs> tell them we're writing about? Um, it's about, it'll be set in Ireland, and it's about kind of a girl who comes back to discover her long-lost father. So that's kind of the basics. Okay. Are you playing it. sisters? Because you and her should play sisters if you're not We did sisters. in Dead Boss, yeah, did, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we look, but we, we'd get, conf- even the editors would get kind of confused between <laughs> right. the two of us. Um, but I, I, I like it better than she does, because obviously I like getting in some of her glory. Like, <laughs> loved you in Catastrophe. I'm like, oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah hopefully we will be in that uh, as well but I remember she went on this show uh, this uh, show called The Late Late Show to promote it when it was out in Ireland and my mother was like oh my god they showed so many clips of you Ashling. I was so proud to see my daughter on The Late Late Show and clips of her and I look back and they literally didn't show one clip of me it was all Sharon <laughs> and mommy my own mother thought it was me um, she must. So yeah. She might be on a horse when she was watching. It yeah, now. yeah. So, yeah. so she was watching it quite yeah. uh, flippity. So uh, <laughs> has a horse in the sitting room. Uh, and you're working with Adam Buxton and Graham Lennon. Oh, is that yeah, happening? maybe. Well, it seems yeah. about the new year. Yeah, yeah. We don't know yet, really, how because that's all changed since the pilot. I did the oh, pilot of their yeah. show though, um, and that was really lovely working with them. Um, so we'll see how it, uh, what characters come out in the wash. Because they have to rewrite the whole series. Right. Now. Yeah. Do you so. think you might not make it into the? I don't know. I tend to like genuinely. <laughs> I, I tend to ruin things. So <laughs> I think for their own health and safety, they should definitely take me out of it. Uh, what is the pre- um, is the premise? It says set in a space station. Or yeah, something? I think it's kind of like an IT crowd in space. That one. Right. So that's uh, Adam and Graham writing that together, and Adam Adam's definitely going to be in it. Um, I don't know about myself right. uh, yet. It'd be good if it was literally just the IT crowd in space, just. The characters yeah, floating in dead. Going, oh, this is something different, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> it wouldn't. That wouldn't be good. That would be bad. Have a minstrel. Thank you. Mm. Uh, do you think they should rename minstrels? In the sort a, of um, well, it's you know, in the spirit of political correctness forward, gone yeah. correct. Um, I don't know. We'd have to ask some real minstrels, I suppose. Yeah, see how they feel. You know, <laughs> the people who'd be affected by it most. I suppose it'd be worse if they were white on the inside. <laughs> yeah. I feel as two white people who've never really <laughs> come up against adversity sitting here doing this podcast, we should yeah. probably shut this convo down. <laughs> um, That's the kind of thing that I... I edit out. I, no, I keep going with... Oh. <laughs> I, push, I push further. I'll go to an emergency question. To, it was, I think it was, it was sensitively handled, the idea of uh, mm. the minstrel that via chocolate. Um, if you were the Prime Minister, would you use nuclear weapons? No, absolutely not. 
I would rather die on behalf of uh, not using nuclear weapons okay. than uh, try and poke the bear, as it were. But then what if people would fire nuclear weapons at you because they, yeah. they know that you won't use them? Yeah, I'd absolutely mm-hmm. I'd die for that cause. Well, you would. Where are the rest of us? Take you all with me, guys. I'm taking you all with me. <laughs> I'll be honest. I think it's about time someone stepped up and said, I'm not going to fight no matter what happens. We may all get killed because of it, but unless one of the big guys says no more, you can bet your bottom dollar that the evil guys are not going to stop. No. So someone has to eventually stop rather than... Like, why would you go in to a peace talk with a gun? It just doesn't make any sense. So it's sometimes someone's got to kind of go, I came in here with no knife, <laughs> no gun, just my word and a trust and faith in this situation. And that'll make the baddie go, oh, well then, maybe I will uh, also put down my gun. And then we can all <laughs> yeah. get along. Yeah, that's my psychology for you're you. You're worried guys. about the minstrel things, but your, your impression of a baddie was, <laughs> I would say, racially insensitive. I insens- feel... Racially insensitive. I feel Russian is a totally safe one to go oh, with. That can was, I just say, that was, was, that Russian. You, was that what you were going for? That was Russian, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> can I just say, that was definitely Russian. Um, and I feel that's a totally safe... <laughs> Yeah. Baddie to name. Like, if the Bonds can do it, fill them in, fill them out. <laughs> you know, I think we can get away with that. Um, I do a section called Desert Island Dicks. Do you, Richard? Yeah, it's not what you, it's not what you think. I'm classier than you and that lady, that helmet lady. Yeah. <gasps> oh, she's not happy. She's going to have another one and then really go for you. <laughs> if you were going to a desert... <laughs> if you were... Uh, Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, it is your voice, though. It is your voice. Now. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. It is about. It's all about you today. Uh, <laughs> um, which which eight Richards would you take with you to a desert island if you were stranded on a desert island? Could take eight Richards. Which I, eight Richards? I come as a standard. I'm there already. Oh, you're there already. Yeah, so I'm I can't luxury, pick you. I'm a luxury Richard. Oh. I'm there whether you want me or not. You're a luxury but there will dick. be eight other Richards. And wh- which eight Richards would they be? Mm. I want you to think about so it So I carefully. already have my favourite Richard, Richard yes. Herring there. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Richard Branson, uh, because I feel like he'd be able to turn like a coconut into like a, a nifty, I don't know, bra if you needed one or something like he that. He could probably do that, yeah. Yeah, he'd just do something clever with like the island that would make it sort of more easy to live in. Richard, I wish you'd like told me this question was coming up so I could have a proper think about it because now I'm just going to name Richards. Well, that's part of the joy of this question. Is oh, it, yeah. it gets quite embarrassing quite quickly because it's quite hard to think of eight Richards off the I mean, is that embarrassing? I, mean, supp- I don't think I'd feel embarrassed by that. Like, no. oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. I couldn't name eight Richards. It's awkward. I mean, maybe I really awkward. Maybe there's just an awkwardness to it. Um, Richard, okay, shout some out and I'll see no, if I... No, they're not allowed to help. What, go on? Richard Dawkins. What do I bring? Oh, I just... Actually, do you know what? I'd rather have less people than someone who's always <laughs> just going to be up in my grill, being like, oh, do you really think that? Ah. Richard, we're on an I island now. You. Someone has to believe in the ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> just for a bit of entertainment. Once upon a time, there was an old fairy castle. Ah, oh, babe, wouldn't have happened. Oh, God, Richard. <laughs> um, so I think I'd leave off Dawkins. Yeah. Um, any other Richards? Richard Madley, yeah, do you know I would bring him? He could recommend a few good books. He's kind of flirty, but loyal, I feel. I feel like, you know, yeah, I think I would bring him. Okay. Would he come with Judy? No, I, no, I there bring will be Judy? no, there will be no one who wasn't called Richard apart from you oh, on the island. Oh, I'm fond of Judy. I think he'd have some nice anecdotes about Judy, so I'd bring that Richard. Uh, any other Richards there might be? <laughs> Rogers. Burton. 
Richard, b- b- well, Jesus, there's loads of them now. Yeah. Um, it's, it's easy when you get the audience to help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Richard Bacon. Richard uh, Bacon, who's a future guest on the... Who's Richard show? Bacon again? Wow. <laughs> well, that's, to be honest, how the ticket-buying public are feeling. <laughs> <laughs> He's the, uh, he's the ex-Blue Peter presenter. Ah, uh, who... see, we didn't have Blue Peter okay. growing up. I didn't have... I only had two Irish channels. We didn't he have... now is on uh, the radio a lot and TV a lot. He may have had a, what, a drug at once. Oh, it's something we'll find. It's something we'll find out during my podcast. I'm going to quiz him quite heavily about that. He sounds <laughs> he may... perfect for the island then. Yeah. Because, you know, it'll be a bit like, you know... And then he'll also have like a couple of like skills from his Blue Peter days. You're right. So he's going in the pot. Then there was another Richard Whiteley. Is he the dead countdown presenter? <laughs> he can definitely You come. would have his skull. Just yeah, his, just his, his skull. <laughs> and every now and go doodle doo bong um, to his skull. So he can come. It was sad when Richard Whiteley died. And it, it, was, um, it was like one of those moments. I found out Richard Whiteley died because I was in a shop in, uh, on the Uxford Road in Shepherd's mm. Bush. And a man turned to me, who I didn't know, and said, Richard Whiteley's died. It was like, it was like Diana. Oh. It was just like you know, strangers were turning to each other, just going, don't believe it, Richard Whiteley's died. Oh, God, it's yeah. just how many people watch afternoon television. It does. It yeah. Does. Oh. I played Countdown a couple of times. Did you? Yeah, I um, did like 8 out of 10 Cats oh, yeah, does yeah. Countdown. Yeah. And I honestly, because I'd only seen it a couple of times... But I knew I was going to be naturally brilliant at the game. <laughs> like, I just knew. I was like, I'm not a big mathy person. I never do anagrams. But this is going to be, like, that moment where just your natural skill kicks in. And I, I knew I'd look at the words, and they'd all just naturally come together. And I'd be like, fibula. The word <laughs> I've come up with is fibula from those letters. And I, I was just like, uh, duh. I've got there again. I've got Anne. And I get high points for Anne. I was so bad at it. Like, really, like, I'd never been to school bad. It was so embarrassing. And 30 seconds is so little time as well. I think any of us could do it in 45 seconds. Yeah, but the first 15 are pure panic. And then the second 15 are, are remembering where you put the pencil. And then you're like, oh, oh God, time's gone. There, 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 Anne. Um, it doesn't really so, yeah. matter on that version of Countdown, though. It's a, it's a whimsical. We, I didn't get paid unless I kind of got enough points. <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. that's, quite, that's quite important. Then. Sad, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Anyways, Richard Whiteley. Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, we'll bring the skull of Richard Whiteley. Um, and then I think we, have, are you kind of bored of the Richard idea nope. although you put it out there um, want to see it through you've got, uh, we've got four I think so far four and then another Richard might be uh, go on Richard the third or the first uh, which is the one as now is the winter of our discontent Who, which is that is that the second that's a th- Richard the third I think is a play called Richard the third yeah Ah, well then, yeah, that probably is him. <laughs> is the movie Nell about Nell? Um, uh, yeah, so I bring him yeah. just because I feel like it'd be nice to have someone you're definitely going to be more attractive that with than uh, <laughs> with a bit of no makeup on on the island. And he has a big, like, Quasimodo hunchback, doesn't he? Well, did doesn't he, he though? Like... I mean, that is a, you know... Oh, we're getting he was into... a car park. We're getting... He got buried in cement like was... Jimmy Savile. He did, well, so it did... did... <laughs> It it yeah. it would it turned out that he did have some issue with his back, didn't he? So it might be might have been a hunchback. There was a lot of speculation that uh, the hump was drawn on, really? not like to him, 
<laughs> I was like, <laughs> every morning, like your eyebrows, just like, well, Richard, you have your USP. That they made People him more evil than he was. <laughs> Did he kill the princess in the tower? There's another Richard in there, I believe, if you want to take him with you. I might be wrong. Wasn't one of the princes in the tower, Richard? Really? Wow, I don't know. Or was it Edward and something? There was, there was two, though, weren't there? So... Edward and the other. Who's Edward's brother in the tower? I'm pretty sure one of them was. What an interesting Q and A we're doing with the audience. Who was uh, Edward's (laughs) brother who got killed in the towers? uh, The name of his brother's name. Well, I'm going to Google it and tell them next week whether I'm right. You can superimpose Um, a voice on this, like. I can. I can do whatever I want with this. To be honest, I can certainly put some laughter on it. On my bit sometimes. It, and you'll also cut particular... in me maybe saying, yes, I think minstrels should come back. <laughs> um, OK, in a way, the Desert Island Dicks question is okay. brilliant. Um, uh, no, I'm not going to ask you that one. Oh, this one, this one, this is a good one. I've, d- I've been meaning to ask this one more. Which celebrity would you like to stroke your hair as you die? Oh... Um, do I do? Is it just like I've died of a natural death of old age, and it's all? Well, joyful? it could be. It's just when you're dying, you might be, you know, something. You might have been run over, and uh, that's why I yeah, can't imagine you've been run would over. And, oh God, the, the, my legs are going cold. Yeah, and then... you never believe who ran over you. <laughs> all of Little Mix. Ah. Um, but who would nice I like to, to be going stroke out? my hair? Who kind of seems kind? David Attenborough. Yeah. Oh, can you imagine dying and having a? Here we go now. And the young female stand-up comedian, often found in bars and clubs, making self-deprecating uh, comedy about herself uh, because she's in a male-dominated environment, is now slowly slipping away, and I am slowly stroking her hair. Oh, yeah, David Attenborough's yeah. voice. Yeah, I think would be... Do you like yeah. that kind of... It's kind of impersonal, though, isn't it? He's sort of talking to you as if you're not there. You, you don't want someone going, it's all right, Ashling, you know, step into the light. You want him to go, yeah, just narrating your death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I'd like that, to get a vibe yeah. of what's going on. OK. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, David Attenborough. Who would you... Why, who would you choose? Um, I think I chose... Uh, initially, I chose ba- Bouncer, didn't I, from Neighbours? <laughs> when it, I don't know why that was, so I'm going to have another think about it. I think I would like... Who from Neighbours? Bouncer the dog from Neighbours. I don't know why that was the thing that just... Stroking your hair? Yeah, with its paw. Oh. Oh, oh. I think I would like uh, Gemma Chan to stroke my hair. Alive or dead. Right, Okay. yeah. Um, Jack Whitehall's girlfriend, Gemma Chan. It is about Jack Whitehall's girlfriend. That came up, actually, in the podcast Mm. I did with him. Yeah. For some reason. <laughs> um, all right, I'll come with, I'm going to... Oh, well, let's do, I'll do with the Richard Dawkins one, since we were talking about Richard Dawkins. This is from oh, Tim yeah. Turner. Uh, he's, he's actually asked a very good emergency question that is very enjoyable because it always gets a laugh halfway through. <laughs> Richard Dawkins claims to have seen dogs doing a 69. Yeah. What's the worst lie you have ever told to impress people? <laughs> And then I saw two cats doing a 69. (laughs) What's the worst lie? I mean, this is again, like like when you put her on the spot for what lie? It is hard, you know. Yeah, it is. It's not meant to be easy, but then, you know, something will come up. This is so, again, like I doubt even the Dublin people will know this. When I was at school, my nana grew up on the same island as this uh, famous woman, Peg Sayers. It was like a really famous Irish writer. She was this old Irish woman who used to speak about how tough life was on the islands. And it was just like a really known for her sort of tales of hardship and sheep. 
and um, I, my nana's mother, so my great grandmother, taught her on this island. There was only about twenty of them who lived on the island. Yeah. But by the time I got to school, I kind of fandangoed the story that Peg Sayers, the famous novelist was my great-grandmother. <laughs> and I know people are like, whoa, celeb gossip, Ashling. It, it's really bad lie. But I, yeah. I, I lived with it for quite a long time. And I remember my, my like, teacher looking at me with a sort of reverie, like, here we have the grandniece of Irish like literary. You know, like, they just looked at yeah. me with such respect. I, I got caught in the lie and then well, couldn't but really get out you know, of it. Your grandfather was a famous Yes, but writer. he's like this. Peg Sayers is like, she's like the Kim Kardashian okay. of the islands of Ireland. Uh, <laughs> So it was like a really big deal. Um, yeah, so that's like, whereas yeah. my granddad would be like, I don't know, like maybe Ozzy Osbourne in terms of reality TV, you know, okay. and Irish literature, which you naturally make a, a comparison with. Um, <laughs> sh- probably shouldn't have stayed out so late last night at the bowling alley. <laughs> it's good. We're both slightly hungover. It's good. Uh, yeah, so and that's, uh, that's what lie I would... That's the biggest lie I've ever told. When I was at school, I, t- I remember writing a story claiming that I'd <clears throat> a house had been burgled, which it hadn't. Because uh, you know you had to write what happened to you, and mm. I said that the burglar had stolen my um, police uniform that I had. That was my favourite <laughs> thing that I used to dress up at. And uh, the teacher said, "Why did why, why, why do you think why did he steal that?" <laughs> and I said, "The police think he may have had a son that he was." <laughs> But it's like, what what I liked is the teacher went along. I mean, must have gone, well, that didn't happen. This didn't happen. But I'm going to quiz him further to see what he comes up with. The idea of a burglar seeing a police uniform for his child rather than, like, the telly or, you know, I'm going to break you. What age were you when you you did that? I was 28 years old. I was... um, I was like uh, five. My um, my friend Andrew, they got their house robbed. Yeah. At first, they were really annoyed. It was this house in Stoke Newington. They were so angry about it. They were like, oh my God, most of our things have been robbed. And then they started going around like what DVDs had been left. And they started feeling really judged by what ones the burglars had left behind. Like a Take That album and like The Notebook as a DVD and something like that. They were like, oh what? So a man's not allowed to cry anymore? Like... Um, I like but a burglar yeah. who has time to make those kind of yeah, decisions. Yeah, like you literally roost through yeah. going, nah, nah, I'm seeing it I before, am, nah. I'm know. not carrying out 10 extra DVDs <laughs> that I don't need. That's extra yeah. weight. Very <laughs> odd decision by the burglar there. Mm. <laughs> he looked it up on Magpie to see how much he'd get for yeah. it. And that's not, <laughs> that is not worth my time. Uh, we're coming very much to the end of this podcast, wow. um, which is a shame because it's been a lot of fun. I've enjoyed it. Uh, you, you, talk, you did a show in Edinburgh this year, yes, 2015? Yes, I did. What, was yeah, it Plan yeah, B? Yeah. It's called Plan B. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Science Man loves that, don't you? Because you can see the, what yeah. I did there. Um, yes, it's called Plan B. And is that, are you touring with this or are you... No, I don't think so, because I've got, um, as I say, I've got my script with Sharon and another few script things to write. So I'm kind of gigging and then making up new material. I'd also been, a lot of that show was from a lot of material from the last year. Right. So I might take it and do it in little places around the country, but I won't tour it because I feel like I've... I've done a lot of the material maybe okay. in bits and bobs so it'll be just writing new stuff now for and the new year and bits. will there be another Edinburgh show coming up or not, not this, this year thing? because I want to get those other yeah. shows made um, but the year after definitely but I might write a show that maybe doesn't go to Edinburgh that does you know kind of 
does London a little bit and then yeah. rather than using Edinburgh, August kind of felt like a kind of, um, what's the word, arbitrary date to yes. kind of get a whole thing done. Yeah, by. well, I didn't do the, my, my new show, yeah. Happy Now, uh, is which is touring. Oh, sounds uh, great, Richard. February to June, mm. 2016. <laughs> uh, is, uh, yeah, I did, well, I didn't go to do Edinburgh, I did that. And it is mm. quite, it is actually very uh, nice to be yeah. working on a show still. Yeah. So it wasn't like I had to get it ready by the 1st of August or whatever. Yeah. And I'm still working on it, and I don't know we'll carry on working on it as it goes. But yeah, it's quite—it is quite mm. interesting to free yourself up. From I love—I mean, I love Edinburgh and what it teaches you because you're doing the exact, roughly the exact same thing, like say ninety percent the same thing over and over again for a month, and you you just learn a lot more about yourself and your craft and how to kind of deal with all like it's a learning thing especially because like I was saying I haven't done stand up like a crazy amount of time so Mm. you can never take back what you've learned whether it goes well or badly you can learn as much from some of the bad gigs and how you kind of what you learned from and how to change around and stuff like that but I think just this year probably won't happen this year Edinburgh won't happen this year and then if all these TV things take off though then you won't be able to go back I never have to see real people again living (laughs) in a castle (laughs) no I'll never I'll never stop doing the live stuff because that's why that's what you get into it for like that's the nicest bit yeah, it's good because I think a lot. And there are a lot of people who don't feel that way, or a lot of people get you know do maybe feel that way, get sucked into doing the. Uh, yeah, the I think you'd miss it stuff. though. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. I think because well, why I kind of started stand up was I started doing kind of bits of acting on TV, and I really missed live theatre and being on a stage and like making a connection with an audience and then to come back to stand up like that's always what like I I don't like the really bigger gigs. Um, I know that might sound like someone who just like, well, no one's ringing you to ask you to do them, to be honest. Um, but I, I like doing like stuff where you can kind of have a connection with an audience sure. because that just feels like something kind of tangible rather than like when you're on telly, like, you know, your mother watches it, but it doesn't really feel real. It doesn't feel like yeah. work sometimes. And so the other thing feels like something creative. Cool. It's a bit That's- more... No, well, that is very admirable and terrific. And I'm mm. glad you feel that way because uh, I would like to see more of you doing stand-up. And we're going to have to end it there, ladies and gentlemen. Big Yay! round of applause for Ashley yeah. B. Fantastic. Thank you. We'll be back next week with another one. See you in a sec. You have been listening to Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. Me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Ashling B. Thank you very much for listening. It was quite good. I hope you enjoyed it. The uh, music is by Pest. Thank you to everyone at the Leicester Square Theatre. Thank you to everyone at Go Faster Strike. Thank you to everyone at the British Comedy Guide, which I think is just Mark and Aaron. Or Aaron. How do you say it? I don't know. Uh, Thank you also to my producer, Dave Cribb. This is a Fuzz, Go Faster Stripe and Sky Potato production. How do you enjoy those Sky Potatoes? I like them quite a lot. Thank you for asking. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, why not come and see me on tour? Go to richhang.com slash happy underscore now slash tour and you can find out all about my tour dates. I'm coming all around the UK between February and June 2016 and it's, I think it might be my best show yet. I'll let you know after I've done it. Uh, and then we'll look back. It's always the one I'm doing that's my best show yet, but I think this one might be. Who knows? Anyway, I'll just tell your friends about this podcast. There's still lots more to come in this series and we'll be back in June with Series 9. Gosh. <laughs>